You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Check 1-2, here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And uh, I got some I got s- some stuff that I want to fill you in on. And then we're going to do a commercial slot. And then uh, I'm going to get into the rut. And what's go- what I feel is going to be going down from now until... Uh, I don't know, the end of the rut. And so basically this episode is going to be about the rut and and my opinions on the rut, which for some, for some reason, people, especially in this community, if you go against the grain on anything, right, it just, you, you seem like some kind of outcast, but if somebody with a television show says something, it's got to be true. Because look at what they do, right? They, it's got to be true. And so I feel like, again, and I've said this uh, a, a million times on this podcast, but it's like you listen to these people because they're popular and not because it relates to what you're doing. And so I, I feel like I feel like if you're going to listen to content and you, you gotta, you gotta break it down. Like, is this entertainment or is this going to be educational? Uh, and what I mean by educational, I mean, is it relatable to how I hunt? Now, if you hunt, let's say if you hear me talking, I, my goal is to open our minds. It's not necessarily to say, Hey, I need to do what Dan Johnson is doing. Like, that's not the message. The message that I always try to convey in on these episodes is if I have a guest, it's like, check out how this guy did it. Or I share my thoughts and opinions on how it should be done. But it's never like, you know, that that's why I hate these 10 tips for the rut type of episodes or how to hunt big bucks during the rut type of episodes. Because if you live in South Georgia or if you live in Maine, 
or do you live out west in western South Dakota where I just got back from, your whitetail herds are all doing different things in different times of year. South Texas, right? Midwest, right in the center. All those deer have different behaviors. They have, they have different breeding times. They, like, and that can even be broken down by property. The, the deer on my property are going to be doing something different than the deer on a different property. That's right next door. And so if I sit here and go, well, I have to do this because this person told me to do it, or I need to attack my property, whether it's a thousand acres or 10 acres, I have to approach all of them the same way. That's ridiculous, man. And so all you're doing is hurting yourself. And so if you want to become a better deer hunter, there's only one, in my opinion, one way to do it. And that is immerse yourself in the properties that you have access to hunt and scout it and hunt it and absorb the information that the deer give you, whether that's trail cameras, sightings, deer behavior throughout the entire year that including the off season, the summertime, you know, a lot of people, once season is over, will say, oh man, I'm going to, what am I going to do today? I'm going to, I'm going to go turn into watching football now, or, you know, hunting season's over. or I'm going to do, you know, whatever it is. And I do that too, but I also understand the properties that I hunt. All right. That's kind of like my soapbox deal there for a second. Um, it's, it really comes down to the principles, right? It's the principles of these properties that um, it's, it's the principles really. And so it's the principles and as far as strategy is concerned on how you attack these, your, your properties. The cool thing about principles and not actually me telling, Hey, you need to be in, in a, a staging area. Well, I don't know if I have a staging area. Well, then you got to be in a downwind of a bedding. Well, I only have one betting. It's hard to access, but so, but it's principles. You can hear someone talk about it or hear me talk about it or a guest or, or someone who knows what they're doing and then say, okay, how can I apply what they're talking about to my property? And it's principles, right? Because in a way, whether you're hunting mountain bucks in Pennsylvania or you're hunting out in the plains where there's little terrain, very little terrain or a river bottom ground, Deer are still in some way going to be doing the same things as far as how they travel through terrain. The terrain might be different, subtle, you know, subtle versus whatever the opposite word of subtle is. So anyway, there's that. I drove, what did I do? I drove 10 and a half hours or 11 hours on Sunday or Saturday to get home. I left uh, Western South Dakota at like, I don't even know what it was, like 5.30 in the morning, something like that, 5.20 in the morning. Drove through snow and ice all the way through South Dakota. Uh, it led up for a little bit in Minnesota. And then when I dropped down into Iowa, I ran, ran into the same system again. Lots of wind. Uh, I'm in what I'm going to do here is I'll eventually tell, recap my mule deer uh, hunt. It was fun, man. I had an absolute blast, and I'm, I plan on doing it every year until I can't walk. I, I love it. I haven't found success yet. Uh, I did not find success this year, but I got really close on an absolute giant, and I, I messed up. My goal is to share that story 
on the Western Rookie podcast that's on the Sportsman's Empire Network uh, at some point, whether it's this week or maybe maybe I'll do it after the rut. But uh, keep an eye out for that. Also, what what else? Anyway, I drove 11 hours home, okay? I drove 11 hours home, and I get in I'm about an hour and a half from the house, and I get a call from my wife. She's like, I just threw up, and all the kids are throwing up. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm literally walking in to a flu-infested house. I get there. I spent, you know, my wife's sick, so she goes to bed. My daughter's throwing up. My oldest son is throwing up. My youngest son, he's just getting over it. He was the first one to have it. And so I walked into a house. So it's just a matter of time. The way I look at it is it's just a matter of time until I get it. You know, I'm recording this on a Monday, the, Monday, uh, October 30th. I leave on my rut vacation, uh, my rutcation somewhere around, depending. Um, my goal is to be in the woods November 1st. And the reason why I'm trying to get into the woods on November 1st is because I've communicated with the other people who hunt my main property. And I have been trying to communicate with them about when they're when they plan on taking their vacation and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to try to hunt in in this space this time frame where they're not going to be on the farm and then once they get to the farm and if i'm not on pretty much my uh if i'm not on my shooter buck because really on this farm there's one buck i'm after as far as trail camera data past history data there's one buck that i'm after and if i can't get on him or run into him i'm gonna go to my new farm that's three hours away and so i'll set up there i'll set up shop there but the whole the the point is i want to stay away from pressure also recently on my new farm i haven't had a shooter buck on trail camera in a long time like two weeks like right now this time last year my trail cameras were absolutely exploding with mature deer and so i'm getting more pictures of dogs running through the property two dogs and so you know i made a i made a post like what would you do in this scenario you know how would you handle dogs running through your property and and chasing deer right there's there's a group of people who say you know dogs don't dogs don't affect deer you know, if I've read some of those comments. I completely disagree. If uh, if two dogs are running and chasing deer, they will affect the natural deer movement on their farm. And it's why I haven't had any bucks, not just bucks, but deer in general. Every cell camera picture I get, this is no joke, has a white-tailed deer tail up bounding in a, in a specific direction. So something's chasing them, Right. Coyotes, I've seen one coyote on trail camera all year. And maybe it's the dogs that are keeping them out. But I'd rather have one coyote hunting rabbits or small game on that property than two dogs running deer all, all, all year round. And so some people were like, oh, what'd they say? SSS. I found it kind of funny, which is shoot them, shovel and shut up, like just kill them and then shovel. And I've, I've known guys who have done that. So 
But what I did was I looked into the law, right? And uncollared, I think both these dogs are collared. Uncollared dogs in Iowa can be shot. They are considered a wild animal. If they, if they, if they have a, uh, a collar on though, and their vaccines are up to date, they are considered private property. And if you shoot them with a collar on, that is illegal to do even if they're ruining your hunt. And I was talking to the DNR officer in that specific County. And he's like, if he tells you like, really, really what it boils down to is the only thing that you can do in a scenario where the dogs are running around on the properties that you have access to hunt is to like legally, right? There's if, and if the landowner, if you approach the landowner and say, your dogs are running on my farm and he, he's like, I don't care right? There's nothing you can do about it except get an attorney and bring legal action to the matter. It's ridiculous. Real, really, it's crazy. And I just would assume like, hey, I don't want dogs on my property. I go to the landowner, landowners should say, or to the neighboring farm or house or wherever these dogs are coming from, once you find that out, and say, hey, I don't want, I don't want your dogs on my property. It, like, I don't look at it any different than like me and my neighbor on our quarter acre lots. If their dog comes across the property line and shits on my yard, that's an issue to me, right? I don't want more dog shit on my, in my yard, especially in an area of my yard where my dog doesn't shit. And so I got this little dog. I can easily pick up. It's, it's crap. Neighbors, they have three dogs and they're all huge, right? And so they take big, fat, juicy dumps. And I don't like stepping in them when I'm mowing the lawn. I don't like uh, uh, just cleaning up dog crap in general, right? So, but I should be able to go to them and just be like, hey, but technically that's not illegal or that there's nothing, there's nothing that I can do about that scenario unless I bring legal action to it. So, Here's what I've done so far to, to that matter. I'm, I'm not going to shoot these dogs, man. Like, I, I, for some reason, I just feel like my daughter would, if, if, I, if I shot a dog and I'd have to go back to my daughter and, and, and I know she would just be completely upset about it if she ever found out about it. So I'm not going to do that, right? So I, count, I, I contacted, I, I'm, I'm doing what I feel is the proper the proper routes. I am going to, uh, through the uh, DNR officer in that county, and luckily he knew some of the uh, one of the landowners that borders this farm, and so he reached out to him. That landowner said, "Hey, those aren't my dogs; they're the dogs from across the street." And so what? Did I, and so then he got the telephone number. He called that guy, left a message, and that's where we're at right now. So I'm hoping that he gets back to me within the next couple of days and basically says, um, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to keep my dogs in, no problem. And then it's all settled, right? It's all settled. I just don't want those dogs running because I live three hours away, and if I am going to drive three hours sit in a tree stand spend money on you know if it's cold if it's extremely cold uh spend money on a hotel room spend money on gas go down there and sit there and, and watch just watch the birds 
I'm not interested in that. I want to, I want, I'm going down there because I want a big mature whitetail, period. That's why, that's why I do what I do. And so it sucks. It sucks to have to go through this and I, you know, like going through this method, but it's the right way to do it. And, uh, I'm hoping that the dogs don't show up on trail camera anymore and it's all taken care of. And then all is well in the, in the universe. Other than that, I'm trying to think of if there's any other updates that I need to fill you in on. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, the hat that I am wearing is the new full sneak. I'm going to get closer to the camera here. That's the new full sneak stocking cap. Uh, uh, I don't remember what I called it. This maybe it's just the full sneak stocking stocking cap, but it is the it's the first one. It's going to be it's warm. It's badass. The logo on it is like a leather patch. It's badass. Go to fullsneakgear.com and check out the t-shirts, the hats. That's where you can find the Nine Finger Chronicles hat. Anyway, by the time the rut's over, all of the clothes should be manufactured. And then if you've already placed an order, I should be getting it out. But um, I'm probably going to have a, uh, a Black Friday sale. I'm going to try to have some hoodies and some other goodies ready for the shotgun season. I'm thinking maybe just thinking out loud, maybe a regular, like a baseball hat with this logo on it and another blaze orange, uh, style of this stocking cap for those guys who, uh, you know, do rifle or, or shotgun season. So keep an eye out fullsneakgear.com. Now we got to do the rest of the commercials here. I'm just going to fly through these real quick. Um, this week also on the hunting gear podcast, I am going to, um, talk about some of the clothing and some of the the uh, new newer products that I have used this year, and um, and review them on the just let you know what I think of what I've been using so far, some of the products, and just have a little bit bit of review on the hunting gear podcast. All right, here we go. Um, tethered, uh, man. There was a if I was hunting a, a couple more spots in. Like the area in South Dakota that I was hunting, I was not able to use a, um, there wasn't a lot of trees except in the river bottom, but there was a couple places where they had some mature cedars in, in like one of these draws. And I feel like there could have been an opportunity for me to sit in one of these cedars in a saddle and maybe just wait to see what the mule deer, how they responded to that. And there might have been an opportunity for me to get into a cedar and shoot one of these mule deer from a saddle. Definitely whitetails in, in that type of scenario, kind of walking up this cattle cattle path. But uh, if you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. They have um, very awesome equipment. I've sat in the Phantom XL, and then I've also sat in the Lockdown this year already. Uh, the Phantom XL, man, that thing is comfortable. And so... I, I like the lockdown because it has the huge uh, pockets, um, perfect for that are that are built right in zipper pockets, and you just can go right into them. They're, it's very it's a very convenient saddle, and so I've sat in both of those, and man, they're pretty comfortable. I thought that if, uh, spending long periods of time in a saddle would mess my knees up or maybe even my lower back. I was just kind of waiting for that to happen, but it never did. And so uh, I'm looking forward to spending some time in the saddle during the rut. 
and uh, bouncing around some of these farms that I have access to, but uh, really spending some time in the saddle. Uh, TetheredNation.com, go check them out. Uh, WaspArchery.com. Uh, dude, if you if you haven't picked up broadheads already, go pick up uh, a pack of the jackhammers. They are my favorite expandable broadhead. Uh, I've been using them for about 13, 14 years now. Amazing head, uh, made in America. Uh, they also have a variety of other options, uh, fixed and mechanical, and they are uh, majority of their heads are still made in America. So go check out wasparchery.com, discount code NFC. And that's going to save you 20% off Vortex, man. Vortex is, um, doing some amazing things and they're, they just are releasing new products all the time. And it's almost like every six months I need to have an update hunting gear podcast with them because of the amount of new products that they put out. Um, they have a badass apparel company as well on top of that. And so you should go check out, um, go check out the uh, go check out vortexoptics.com spotters, rangefinders, binoculars. Um, I used the absolute shit out of my uh, my uh, my spotting scope out in, and it's just awesome, crystal clear, easy adjustments and I, micro adjustments. Because I, I know there's times where I was looking through my spotter and I was adjusting the focus, and it got to, it's just like crystal clear. Those minor adjustments can just make the deer pop and you don't know if really you're chasing a doe or you're chasing a buck. And then you can have those minor adjustments pop. You can see an antler. Okay, let's go get him. Let's go after him. Of course, I didn't get him, but you, you get the point. Uh, Vortexoptics.com, code BlueSense, uh, codebluesense.com. And I do have a discount go, uh, code there, NFC20. If you're, if you're the kind of person who likes sprays, um, scent elimination sprays, um, any type of cover scents, laundry detergents, deodorants, man, they, they have wipes. They also have synthetic and real deer urine and deer scents. Um, and my favorite, the thing that I've used this year so far is the Ropadope um, Orbital Gland uh, scent kit for mock scrapes. So uh, go check out codebluesense.com. Woodman's Pal, man, I brought that. I actually brought that to South Dakota with me, and I'm glad I had it in my truck because I needed to hack. There was a uh, half of a, a tree branch in a two-track that I had to hack. I didn't want to drive over it. Uh, I hacked it up, threw it off to the side, and, and I'm glad I had a, a sharp machete-like tool with me. So go check out Woodman's Pal dot com it is uh they've been around since 41 they are in the 40s i believe it was and they are also a product that is made in america very durable go check them out uh and last but not least last but not least um huntworth they are having a huge absolutely huge sale right now site-wide on their let me pull up their website real quick just so i can make sure hunt worth clothing pull this up there's a huge yeah just go to just go to huntworthgear.com they i don't know if it's still going on but i thought it was up until the rut that they were running this special it could be done uh here we go what's it say here 
Huntworth Clothing. Use code HNT two zero CT at checkout. I think that's it. HNT two zero CT or yeah, that do that one. I, I don't know if I have one, uh, but I think that's that's I'm just dragging on. Anyway, go check out Huntworth. They're running a sale. Um, other than that, man, good vibes, right? We've got to have good vibes for this upcoming um, upcoming uh, rut. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, Huntworth. I forgot this. I'm going to be talking about Huntworth on the Hunting Gear podcast here pretty soon, what I like about uh, their their products and and some other things uh, because I've, I've hunted – a while now in their clothing this year and i just want to let people know about it all right there's that all right it's the rut right and like i mentioned earlier in what makes me want to talk about the rut like there's part of me that i don't even want to talk about the rut right now just because everybody else is talking about the rut right now and it it, it pisses me off because now is when you're you're going to start to see these dumbass articles come out where it's like 10 tips to kill your biggest buck in the rut. And I just, I wish there was an emoji of a guy doing the jack off sign. Cause that's what like, I know that's bad, but like some guy just going, mm, because I think it's stupid, right? How can someone who doesn't hunt your farm give you advice on how you should hunt? There, because it's never it, it's never like these articles are always they're so confident and that's like they're so confident in how they write these articles and how they talk about them on other podcasts on things that you should do to to have more success and this time of year I dude I think it's I think this time of year especially the rut it should be it should be number one sit in a tree stand. And then start asking yourself all these questions that nobody else can answer except you on the farms that you hunt, you have access to. What's going on in this draw or pinch point or staging area or bedding area? Am I in the right spot? Do I have the right wind? Is my access route? It's not like, it's not like one of the greatest things I've ever heard come out of any deer hunter's mouth is um, there was a... God, how how was it? How was it framed? It was framed, hey, talk to me about what your strategy is for killing this deer or hunting on this property. And the hunter goes, what's the deer doing? So he didn't answer the question. He asked another question. And asking yourself all of these questions is, is really like, how you break down your own properties and how you put your own strategy together. Sit down, wind of bedding, focus on bedding, blah, blah, blah. Well, if a deer, let's say you have trail camera pictures of a deer coming through a specific bedding area on your property only at night, why are you hunting a bedding area during the daylight hours or spending time there if you know for a fact he's not there? right? You're, you're just kind of hoping he comes through, which in a way, in defense of that, the rut is chaotic. The rut is unpredictable, right? We're out of this pre-rut time frame. Well, 
my farms my farms will probably stay in pre-rut till about the third fourth or fifth of november and then the rut kind of hits on some of the farms that i have access to um uh the last i don't even know how many bucks that i've shot all of them other than the one i shot november 14th or 12th 12th or 14th i can't remember uh that buck was full-blown chasing a doe the other deer were by themselves or with maybe another buck or two and they were they were doing pre-rut stuff they weren't chasing maybe they were downwind of a doe group putting their nose up but they weren't chasing they were waiting they knew what they were doing and so that's what um like the, that's why we talked about the pre-rut in that last episode and, and what to expect from the pre-rut but the the post-rut now post-rut the rut the the post pre-rut which is the rut uh that's like there's there's really no strategy that a person can give you you have to do you have to do that all on on yourself so i i'm i told myself i want to i want to break it all down on this episode but it's hard for me knowing that i hate it when people tell me hey here's 10 steps how to hunt the rut on how to approach this podcast because the question that you should be answering asking yourself is what are the deer doing on your farm right is it november 2nd and they're still acting like pre-rut we'll take a pre-rut strategy is it november 2nd on your farm and it is a full blown out chasing scenario rutting activity heavy rutting heavy chasing could be could be then you better then you better try to find um downwind of some bedding pinch points to try to catch cruising deer um fence crossings uh maybe even field edges if that's the thing that you that you need to be doing but just because somebody who's popular tells you that you should hunt um hunt in a certain way doesn't hunt your farm and yes the principles that they talk about can be can can help but you shouldn't there's no there's no such thing as a blanket statements in the hunting world right it is it is hey you should do this well if i'm giving if i'm hunting in the midwest and i'm giving you advice on how to hunt midwest deer but you live in in southern alabama or louisiana like that's not going to get you very far. So you, you got to use your own head. Now, rut. What we start to see here, and these are principles, right? And uh, from all the places that I've hunted whitetails, here's what I, which is not many compared to some of the other people, but this time of year, here's what the deer are doing. They are staging for a big period of time where they go absolutely crazy like their life depends on it okay so if you're in the woods now you should you should see an uptick of sign now the uptick of sign is relative right it it it, it's not going to be like one day you're going to walk into the woods where you've never seen sign before and see a scrape on under every tree and a rub on every tree right? That's not necessarily how it works because there's going to come a time where the, the, the sign activity is going to increase. And this is what I've noticed. Even, even minimally, it's going to increase and then it's going to almost stop. 
and, and they'll probably hit scrapes because scrapes are kind of off and on. But there's a period of time where right before the rut hits where, in my opinion, scrape, and I'm sure they've done studies on this, right? I'm, I'm sure you can go to the National Deer Association and look up some graph that they have that, that documents all of this. But you're going to see scraping activity, and then when the rut hits and they're more, cha- they're more focused on chasing does, then that scraping activity shuts off, and then you'll see another bump of scraping and sign making after the peak of the rut, you know, looking for those last couple does that are, that are in heat. And so I would really, I would really try to find terrain. And that's, that's for me, that's hard because I know a lot of people are like, Hey, you need to find a big active scrape set up over it. And it's just a matter of time before these deer come through and hammer these scrapes. Well, man, I don't know. I don't know about you, but a scrape happened yesterday or a scrape happened a while ago. And for the rut, I just, I feel, I feel the rut to me equals movement. And so I want to be where deer are moving, right? And so I am a huge advocate of hunting terrain over sign. Maybe, maybe that works for you. Maybe that doesn't. But the reason why I like to hunt terrain over sign, and what I mean by terrain is I'll break it down real quick. Everybody knows these already, but I'll, I'll say them again. Bedding areas, staging areas, travel corridors, pinch points. And, and, and so those places, like I, I talked about this in the last, uh, in the last episode, my, my hunting strategy for the rut isn't too terribly different from the hunting strategy I have for the pre-rut. I'm hunting terrain. I'm hunting where I feel deer are moving through a certain area. I am not a huge bedding area guy. I'll I'll say this, like I will I hunt a couple spots. If I'm hunting a bedding area, it's because the staging area is close by. Stage staging areas are hands down my favorite, especially in an afternoon hunt. And because I don't sit all day long on my hunts, I like to move around. I like to go to the best possible spot because, you know, there's a lot of people out there, especially when it comes to all day sits, they will say, oh, dude, I hunt all day long. Well, good for you. But if we were to show statistics of success, right? And just like the statistics that I gathered um, in early season cold fronts, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen me talk about early season cold fronts, go go talk go listen to the past couple episodes or go to Instagram and look look uh, listen to the clips where I voice my opinion on early season cold fronts. It's I don't know, man. It, again, to each their own. But uh, I'm, that's why I'm a huge fan of sitting in the morning, going and doing something or shifting to my afternoon set because statistically morning movement is better. Afternoon movement is better. And if you really want it, like if you have time and you can do it by all means, sit all day long, man, go do it. I'm, I'm not talking trash on it, but for, for, if you put 10 guys in a room, at random, 10 bow hunters in a room all day who sat all day. And they sat, let's just say, in the same area where it is 
the rut is on fire. It's peak breeding. Uh, things are going bananas. And they all sit in a similar pinch point all day long. The activity between 10 and let's say 2, 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. is going, to, in my opinion, is going to be statistically less active than from daylight to 10 and from 2 to dark. Right? That, I mean, right now people are going, well, duh. Well, duh. And so that's why I don't hunt midday very often. I like to get out. I like to go do something. And that's how I've found my success over the year. I, I put my spot. Like, I, I, am, I feel like, yes, there are spots that are good morning hunts and then also good evening hunts. There are some places where you can get away with both, but I like my morning spots to be one place and I like my afternoon spots to be another, to be another place. And so, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how that works out. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. But um, staging areas are by far my favorite place to, to, to hunt. I like to hunt. I like to hunt, and what I was getting at there, I'm kind of all over the place today because my my mind is working at, like, as I'm talking about this, I'm envisioning the farms that I have access to and where I'm going to hunt uh, and envisioning those trees, those stands, those places where I'm going to hang a saddle, those places like like hardcore rut, rut funnels that I'm going to have, it, you know, that I'll be sitting in a tree stand. Either way, um, bedding areas... What I was getting at is I, I very rarely hunt just like I'm in a bedding area. Like I, I'm, I'm hunting a bedding area. The closest I usually get to a bedding area, especially during the rut, is if there's a, it, uh, my example is a, a river bottom uh, staging area. And so you could have a big thicket right next to a staging area where there's a ton of sign. And the only thing that's, separating this staging area from the bedding area is a what is it uh, it's like a, it's a small creek with a ditch that's it it's not this long ridge system it's not this huge travel corridor it's like a 60 foot wide ditch and that's it right and so um that that's the, that's the travel corridor if you want to say is a 60 foot wide ditch they hop down, they come up, now they're in staging, they lay their sign, then they go to destination food. And it's pretty simple, right? And so that's about as much bed bedroom hunting that I do. Uh, I'm, I'm more into the travel corridors, definitely into staging. Very rarely do I hunt destination food unless I have evidence that I need to be there. Again, going back to what that hunter said, it was Andre DeQuisto. Everybody knows him. The dude's a killer. He slays. What are the deer doing? What's this buck doing? Have you figured out what, it, what route or circuit he's running? Do you have information on where he came from, where he's going? Have you talked to other neighbors about him? Maybe you, maybe you are friends with him. You like, are you asking questions about where this uh, particular buck is running? Trail camera data, in stand data, historical data, right? All this adds up. The buck that I'm going to be chasing in 
uh, on my main farm, the one I've been hunting for now like 17 years or something like that, this buck is running a triangle of ridge systems. It's basically two, probably three ridge systems that I that I believe he's running. He's running in between two fields, uh, two de- like I would call destination food sources. They all kind of form this big triangle down in one point. And in 2021, that's where I shot my buck is on the on this point. And it's just a really good, uh, it's like a staging area because it, it's a travel corridor that meets a staging area where the deer hang out, lay sign, eat acorns before putting their nose into the wind and going up into this destination food source. And so that's a south wind for me. Uh, access on that is pretty aggressive. Um, I drive my truck all the way through the property for the most part. And then I walk in a straight line from my truck to my tree stand with the wind actually blowing in at my back into the timber, right? And so the theory there is, is that, yes, if something is there right now, uh, it's going to, it's going to get, it's going to bust me. But once I get there into the tree stand, then thermals are going to pull up uh made uh predominant wind direction is going to take hold and I'm going to be almost invisible out up there and I say almost invisible um and, and dude I really like that strategy I really like having wind blowing into the timber cuz let's let's talk about this for a moment if you're hunting a bedding area deer are going to be bedded down in this area or it's a hangout place for deer Travel corridors, staging areas, they're a, they're a hangout during daylight hours, um, but not during that 10 to 2 time frame that I, I've talked about earlier, right? Yeah, deer are really on their feet, but are they, are they really just going back and forth and back and forth? Like getting busted by deer happens and can happen a lot, but if you have a really good access route, you can be and know where deer are at certain times a day. You can get really aggressive with your access route, blowing scent right into a specific area, knowing that you climb up into a tree, your scent blows over everything else or through everything else or whatever the situation may be. Everything upwind of you is going to eventually just get blown out. Your scent, you might have a little bit of ground scent, but more than likely by the time a deer does come through, you're just going to be like, Okay, well, it's not a threat. Don't need it. Don't don't need to worry about it because, yeah, I may sniff something, but I don't know what it is. I'm a huge fan of, um, especially on my access routes, I, I do use nose jammer on my boots and clothing. Get up in a tree, I do have an ozonics. I do use an ozonics, and I, and, uh, I do treat my clothing with ozonics, and I, I feel that helps. And so... Man, I, I wish I could sit here and break down everything that a person should be doing, but that's a million. That that's like one million podcasts. Like all, all of you are going to be hitting the uh, rut. You're going to be spending vacation days. You just have to be really smart about it. Okay, take the risks when you feel risks are warranted. But outside of that, 
play it cool. If you don't know anything about the, what the deer are doing in a said property, observation sits. They don't, they don't, they don't hurt. They, they, they can only help if you do it right. Um, make sure you're looking at your, your mapping app, find the best access routes. Like I, that's what I obsess out, obsess over throughout the entire year is, okay, I saw a deer do this thing and he's done this thing for multiple years in a row. He also does this thing over here multiple times in a row over the years and multiple times this year. How do I access between these two points or in this terrain feature or in this shape of area that this buck has shown up in and put myself in the best position? How do I do that? It starts with access and then it ends with patience and knowing the wind and how deer uh, use terrain to travel, right? And then on top of it, you just let the, the other layer is the rut. So you're if you're in the right spot, you're going to see great movement. You're going to see good deer movement. So don't get discouraged. If, if you're not seeing good deer movement during the rut, I don't, care, I don't care what your scenario is. If you only see, if you see 10 deer, 20 deer a sit versus 10 deer an entire hunting season, if you're in the right spot, you will see an uptick in deer movement. Maybe that's arrogant for me to say or assume, but it's the rut, right? So statistically, deer are moving more. So if you're in the right spot, statistically, you should be seeing more deer movement. If you're not, you're in the wrong spot. That's my take on that. So get in the right spot and only you know where that is. I don't know where that's at on your farm. I don't hunt Vermont. I don't hunt North or South Carolina. I don't hunt Missouri. I hunt my farms in Iowa. And uh, if I tag out early, I might go to Oklahoma or Wisconsin. I'm not 100% sure yet. So, Or I might go back to South Dakota and uh, give these, uh, these mule deer another try. Regardless, that's the goal, right? That's the goal. Um, man... I think I'm just going to shut it off because I feel like I'm just rambling at this point. These are all reminders. Um, be safe, safety harness, first and foremost, period. First and foremost, I don't care if you're uh, in a saddle or you're in a tree stand or a ladder stand. Whatever whatever you're doing, make sure you know your gear, how you're hanging, um, especially if you have kids. Set a good example for them. Come home to your wife and kids, safe, unharmed, and... Uh, yeah, because a lot of people rely on you for all of that stuff. So we got that going on. Um, be patient, right? Know when, if it's game time, here's here's what I say. Sometimes people get paralyzed. Uh, and this is a quote from, what movie is that? It's a quote from the movie Point Break with Keanu Reeves and um, uh, Patrick Swayze. And Patrick Swayze's character goes, fear causes hesitation and hesitation causes your worst nightmares to come true. And so what they mean by that is if you're afraid to spook a deer, like let's say you're sitting on a field edge and you see a buck, a, a target animal, a shooter, a big buck come out of a, um, a, a little thicket onto this field edge one night in a row, two nights in a row, three nights in a row, 
you're if you don't move, it's because you're afraid of spooking him. If you have access over there, if if you have access, you have to find a way, whether that's on the ground, sitting in a ditch, whether that's making a homemade blind, whether that's putting a real blind in there, whether that is um, hanging a saddle, getting a hang on in there. Fear causes you to not move, right? And by not moving, there's going to be a day where that deer just doesn't show up anymore or someone else sees his pattern, moves in. And so don't let the fear cause you to hesitate in your decision-making. Be aggressive when you need to be, right? And sometimes you can be aggressive standing by too. You're like, you're just like, I'm going to go check trail gamers today. I saw him. He went into he went into a neighboring farm. There's no need for me to be in a tree right now. Maybe, maybe something else comes up, but if he's a target animal, um, these bonus bucks very rarely show up, in my opinion. They might, but that's usually later in the rut after peak breeding. The bonus bucks start to show up. Some a buck from a different farm that's a couple miles away. Again, like I just have to keep saying my my opinion, my experience. But don't, don't, don't let the fear of failure cause you to hesitate into making a, a decision that needs to be made right now. And then the next thing you know, you're sitting in the same tree stand on the last day of the hunt, wishing that you would have moved three days ago to get a crack at this deer. That was, in, in all honesty, that was the biggest problem that I had, I would say, previous to 2006 uh no it well i guess it would be in the 2006 to 2015 time frame for me was watching deer do the same thing multiple days in a row and then just trying to call him in or wish him in basically and the only thing that happened was me watching this buck and not drawing back on him and so so get aggressive when you need to be. Be safe. Have fun. Huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and of course, Full Sneak Gear. Um, man, I hope each and every one of you find success. I want you guys, <laughs> just like I did last year, I want you guys to hit me with the I fucking did it. Instagram uh, messages that you guys have been sending me. Absolutely love seeing those. Don't care if it's a spike. Don't care if it's a doe. I don't care if you're by yourself and you're a hardcore grinder or if you're a weekend warrior. Hit me up with that those success picks, man. And, and a, a success pick doesn't even need to be a deer, man. Just you and your kid in a tree stand or you in a tree stand or you and your wife or, or you... Walking in the woods this time of year is my favorite time of year, regardless of its deer hunting. Regardless of if it's deer hunting, I love the fall. It's my favorite time of the year. If I wasn't if I wasn't a bow hunter, I'd be fishing. If I wasn't a fisherman, I'd be doing ducks or trapping or something. But yeah, I uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for everybody. So good vibes in, good vibes out, and uh, man. Good vibes, man. Good vibes.